Our first message this afternoon is from Mr. Ken Barton. It is entitled, What Can We Do? I'm Stuart Shepard. This is Stoplight. The President has said a lot of things that made me think. In the United States, our motto is E Pluribus Unum. Out of many, one. But there's one thing he said that keeps coming back to me. I, I keep pondering this. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation. And then he goes on to make what I call the demographic argument. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation. The argument that not everybody is a Christian, therefore, you know. Of course, there's never been a time when everybody was Christian in the U.S. And obviously, that's not what anybody ever meant by saying this is a Christian nation. So that got me thinking, maybe it would be helpful if the president took a little walk. He could head out from the White House and start by walking out to the Washington Monument. Washington was a man of prayer. Among the many items placed in the cornerstone here is a Bible. And, and up at the top is an aluminum cap with these words engraved on the east side. That's Latin for praise be to God. That means every morning, the first thing to be touched by the rays of the sun in D.C. is an expression of worship. Then he could head up to the Lincoln Memorial. He could read the 16th president's words on the wall. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we're in. And this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. Then he could walk beside the reflecting pool and, and cross the tidal basin to the Jefferson Memorial. Right there on the wall, he'd see how Jefferson refers to God as the holy author of our religion. And he also says, God who gave us life gave us liberty. From there, he could walk east past the Smithsonian to the Capitol. You know, Thomas Jefferson attended church services here in the Capitol when he was president. Church services, you know, the, the kind that talk about Jesus. They were held here for 50 years. And sometime when the president is delivering the State of the Union address, he might take a moment to look behind him because above his head he'll see this, In God We Trust. And as he walks back home, he might picture the path he just took. Here, look at this diorama at the Smithsonian. He would have walked from the White House to the Washington Monument, then up to the Lincoln Memorial and back down to the Jefferson Memorial, uh, to the Capitol, and then back home again. Huh, look at that. really tempting to say, that's it. <laughs> but no. Oh, what can we do? How many of you have heard the term radical Muslims? I was hoping some hands would go up. How many of you kept up with what's been going on in the Middle East as ISIL slash ISIS engages in war against any and every body who is not in lockstep with them, whether they be Christian, Muslim, 
or whatever, they are killing folks on a right regular basis. Is it a surprise or have we known for a while that it's been happening? Pretty much knew it, didn't we? What's causing this? Why are they after us? Because make no mistake, they are after us. They were after us when Thomas Jefferson was president. He asked them, what is your problem with us? We didn't even know you existed. And they said, our problem is that you exist. You are Christians. We must kill you unless you accept Allah and the Muslim faith. <clears throat> so, why now all of a sudden are they on the move? Because it's all going to end sooner or later. As we learn every year when we observe God's holy feasts, there has been a plan developed by God to get rid of evil on this earth and to redeem his people. I don't know what the timetable is exactly. You guys don't either. Uh, there's pretty much consensus that it's getting closer. Of course, it's been getting closer <laughs> ever since he set up everything. Thank God he had this in mind when he first created us because he knew what was going to happen. <clears throat> anyway, and we do know that it's going to get much worse before it gets better. That's why we have the Day of Atonement just before the Feast of Tabernacles. My thing is, I don't necessarily want it to happen now. I have a son and daughter-in-law and a granddaughter that I want to see. And, and if I don't see it, I want it to happen, that they come to realize God's God and Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. But again, why is this happening now? Because we've gotten so far away from God is what I've come to decide. I'm going to stand here and tell you that the United States of America was founded to be a Christian nation, to be a nation that honors God, that serves God, and by doing that, we would be a prosperous nation because God tells us that. He promises that in his word. Our nation was founded on the laws of God. It was one of the main things that made us great. We are a nation of laws. And as long as we, as a nation, followed those tenets, we were a successful nation. I agree with the belief that we are a continuation of the blessings that God promised Abraham, that his descendants would be a blessing to all. If you look at that map, if anybody here hadn't been over there to look at that map, <clears throat> you'll see the influence of God on this nation. Cities that are named after books of the Bible, people in the Bible. In the middle of Jerusalem is USA. I don't know if that's why they named it that, but I'll take it. <laughs> I can brag on it. You know, I brag on the Sooners and on the Cowboys, and I never went to either one. So... <clears throat> well, no, I take that lie back. I did do studies at OSU. I believe that our founding fathers established this nation with the intent that we would live by the tenets of God's commandments and that we would reverence the Almighty. Not all of the forefathers went to the same church by any means at all. They didn't have the necessarily the same you know, beliefs. They weren't all the same. But they did accept the existence of God 
as a fact and that he was who would determine our success or failure as a nation. There are those who would love to erase all evidence of that from our nation and have worked really hard at it. They've been pretty successful at trying to erase our laws and our attitudes against sinful action. As a result, we now have sexual lifestyles that God commanded against, strongly commanded against, and they're rampant. We now have great disintegration of the basic family unit. According to the Guttmacher Institute, they were once the special research affiliate of <coughs> abortion chain Planned Parenthood. So this is, this is from the, their own group. Planned Parenthood performs over a million abortions of babies every year. As a result, in my humble opinion, our nation as well as the rest of the world is suffering greatly because it's not just the United States that are aborting babies like going out of style. So why do I have this opinion? Because God told his people what to expect should they serve him or should they not. We're a chosen people, in my belief. Okay, my understanding of reading the Bible, my understanding of learning about how the United States came to be, because, you know, I'm going to start at this end of this huge continent, and I'm going to end up taking over the whole thing. Just doesn't really happen well. But I truly believe we're a nation of God's chosen people, descendants of the tribe of Israel. Tribes. God picked the Israelites to be his people because of his covenant with Abraham. I know I've covered this before, but bear with me. He wants to shower us with blessings, okay? And he wants to give us wonderful lives because we're his people. As a wise father, he knew that he couldn't just give us everything carte blanche, because then you have what's called a whole bunch of spoiled rotten kids. So through Moses, he explains things. Starting in Deuteronomy 5, 1 through 4, And Moses called all Israel, said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep them and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb, Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us. Now, he's talking to the people that have been through the 40 years in the wilderness. I know he's not talking to me, but I'll take it. If I pay attention to it as if he was, maybe I'll be where I should be, not where I shouldn't. Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive today. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire. Moses then reiterates the commands of God, the Ten Commandments, basically, that we know. <clears throat> and he refreshes the Israelites' memory as to what happened when he went up on the mount to speak with God and how they were extremely afraid of God, wanted Moses to go up there and be the go-between. God even agreed that was probably a good idea. So told them to go into their tents while he spoke with Moses. And go back to continuing now in Deuteronomy 5, 28, 29. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I've heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken unto me. They have well said, 
all that they have spoken. Oh, listen to the ache. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Verse 31. But as for you, Moses, stand you here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. I kind of look at USA as one of the, as a land that God gave us to possess. You shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the left hand or to the right. Or to the right hand or to the left. Get it in the right order. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Continuing in, in chapter 6, Now these are the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you go to possess it, that you might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your son's son all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it that it may be well with you. Here, I'm getting a continuing theme here. Pay attention to what I'm telling you and it'll go well. <clears throat> and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you in the land that flows with milk and honey. So if the people will do what God says, everything will go well. Really well. God tells them he'll be with them as they enter the promised land. And when they displace the peoples that are already there. He even tells them in, in uh, 722 that he'll do it a little at a time. Because if he destroyed all the enemy people at once without the Israelites being there and being ready to take place, the wild animals would increase and be a great problem, like there would be a vacuum. Oh, like what we've got going, why ISIS grew up so big. Because there was a vacuum, because we backed out. I'm going to try to make that all the political commentary. <laughs> but there's a vacuum, okay? If there's not something there, Something else will move in. It's not necessarily going to be good. God tells them to utterly destroy all the religious relics of the people that they displace. Because if they don't, they'll start doing the things that those people did. And God also gives them a reality check. And an attitude check. Speak not you, he says in Deuteronomy 9.4, in your heart after that the Lord has cast them out from before you, saying, <clears throat> for my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of those nations that the Lord does drive out from you before you. Okay, not for your righteousness or for the uprightness of your heart do you go to possess the land. We didn't get this land because we were so wonderful. 
None of our founding fathers were perfect. I think they tried to do the best they could the times they lived. Everything changes so we can look and say, oh, they did this and we wouldn't do that now. We wouldn't do that now. But they did what they could. <clears throat> For the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God does drive them out from before you. And that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, as I say this, I'm not saying the people that we pushed out were evil like, because I'm, you know, I, I'm thinking if they were, we'd have heard about it, wouldn't we, Lucy? So, I'm not saying that. Okay? Don't put words in my mouth. Understand, therefore, he says in, in verse 6, that the Lord your God gives you not this good land to possess it for your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. Let's straighten this out. You guys don't obey well. God told them if they didn't obey him, it would go just as bad for them. Deuteronomy 8.10, When thou hast eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord to God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you forget not the Lord your God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command you this day. Lest when you have eaten and are full and has built goodly houses and dwelt therein, when the herds and the flocks multiply and silver and golds multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up. And you forget the Lord your God which brought you forth out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, who led you through that great terrible wilderness, wherein there were fiery serpents, scorpions, drought, no water, brought you forth water out of the flint, rock of flint, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers knew not, that he might humble you and prove you to do you good at the latter end. You say in your heart, my power and might of my hands got me this well. That didn't work too well for Nebuchadnezzar, did it? He got to spend a few years eating, in the, eating grass with the animals. <clears throat> but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it's he that gives you power to get wealth. If God doesn't want us to get wealth, we won't earn a penny. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto his, under your fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if you do at all forget the Lord and walk after other gods and serve them and, and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall you perish, because you would not be obedient under the voice of the Lord God. So, was God's, true, God's word true? Did he mean all that, or was it just hollow threats? We know about hollow threats. We've had a couple of residents that were good at that. Here's a red line in the sand. You better not cross it or we're going to do something. Oh, they crossed it. Here's another line. You better not... Here. God doesn't do that. Israel was destroyed. God's temple was destroyed. God's people were taken captive and spread around the world. Don't you think the Israelites knew that Nebuchadnezzar was on his way? You think they had newspapers or something like that? They had folks that came, you know, they, they traded with all the world. 
They knew what was going on. They knew somebody was headed their way. God had been telling them, you need to repent, you need to repent. He'd been sending prophets to them. Wake up, people. He warned Solomon after they dedicated the temple and he moved in. He told Solomon at night in vision, he said, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, this is my favorite verse, folks. Pray it every night. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. There's four steps there. You've got to humble yourself first. You've got to pray. You've got to seek God's face and you've got to turn from your wicked ways. Then, will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land? Straight up, folks. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attent to the prayer that is made in this place. He's talking about the, the temple. Okay? But I'm pretty sure he's hearing our prayers. Okay? For whenever two or more people are gathered in his name, he'll be in the midst. We got more than two. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. Mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. As for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked and do according to all that I have commanded you and shall observe my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of, of thy kingdom according as I have covenanted with David your father, saying there shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But, but, big word for three letters. If you turn away and forsake my statute and commandments which I have set before you and shall go and worship other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out of which I have given the land to them. This house which I have sanctified for my name will I cast out of my sight. Make it a proverb and a byword among all the nations. People pay attention. People know when people are Christians, right? And they'll try to knock them down. And when they get knocked down, They'll have a heyday. And they'll point that, point that out every chance they get. They did then, they'll still do it. <clears throat> and this house which is high shall be an astonishment to everyone that passes by it, so that he shall say, Why has the Lord done this unto them? And unto this house, and unto the land. And it shall be answered, Because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, as he brought all this evil upon them. People that don't believe in God, they know, they can tell when things are being done right and when things are being done wrong. And they'll gladly tell you about it if they can make you look bad, if they can make God look bad because that's what they're trying to do. God sent his prophets to turn them back so many times, but they wouldn't listen. So, we can see even though they were warned time and again, they ignored it. I'm certain that they would have known of the consequences if they'd paid attention. Now, on Tuesday nights, second and fourth Tuesdays, this is a commercial for the Bible study show up. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. We're studying Daniel on Tuesday night. 
Bible studies. Last Tuesday we were reading about and discussing how there were three different attacks by Nebuchadnezzar on Jerusalem. <clears throat> Why do you think it took three times? I have my own opinion. And I shared it. And this is it. God kept giving them chances. Okay, maybe they won't believe me that I'm going to attack them. Boom! So he attacked them. Took some stuff away. Maybe they'll listen. Didn't listen. Boom! He attacked them again. Sorry, Rick, should I not bang on that? <laughs> so <laughs> they didn't listen. Boom! Wiped it out. Took it away. Burned everything up. It's done. God is only going to give us so many chances. He'll warn us and warn us and warn us. You know, our parents warned us and warned us and warned us. Sooner or later, we got a whipping. <clears throat> that was back then, though. We do it different, right? But would we? Are we any smarter? We like to think we are, but there's no evidence to show it. Look at how horrid things are. I want to reiterate verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Our nation is under attack by radical Muslims. They have determined that they will kill us and everyone else unless we accept their beliefs. As we saw in the clip, we even have a president that stated we are no longer a Christian nation. When I first heard that, I got real angry at that. <clears throat> but you know, I've learned, and I think a lot of us have learned, God speaks personally to rulers of nations. He spoke personally to Nebuchadnezzar. He spoke to other kings other than David and Solomon. He may very well have given those words to Obama. <clears throat> Is God trying to tell us something? Is God trying to say that, yeah, well, there's no evidence that you're a nation of Christians, that you're a nation serving God? Is there anything we can do about that? I heard one official quoted cons considering this, concerning this war with, with radicals. We can't kill our way out of this. One of the problems being that our enemy is not a specific people. You know, we're at war with the Germans or the Italians or Japanese or Germans. This, this, is, this is not a specific nation. This is an ideology, a religion. What's there that we can do? Okay. You guys know, and I'll reiterate, that if someone is attacking you or your family, you fight back. But against this whole thing, God is bringing this, in my opinion, and there's one way to, to fix it. Repent and turn back to God. That's what he tells us to do. If it gets to be a problem, repent, turn back to God. It worked for the Ninevites, didn't it? They were Assyrians. They didn't even claim to be, uh, not Christians, but Hebrews, Israelites. You know, they, they were over doing their own thing, thank you very much. Huge city. 
very sinful. God was going to wipe them out. Sent Jonah over there. Tell them. They paid attention. Their ruler declared a nationwide fast and, and, and sackcloth ashes. Even the animals. Everybody. Everything there in that nation. And God listened. God honored their repentance. God will do that to us. Deuteronomy 7, 17. If you shall say in your heart, these nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, he says in 18. But shall well remember what the Lord thy God did to Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. The great temptations which your eyes saw and the signs and the wonders and the mighty hand and the stretched out arm whereby the Lord your God brought you out so shall the Lord your God do unto all the people of whom you are afraid. I would love to see God's hand delivering us from this evil. Here's what I have found in God's word that we can do. Hebrews 3, 7. And I apologize, I keep going too quick. I'm not giving you folks time. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, you reiterate that. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And the provocation was not to them as when they provoked God. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. They didn't, did they? Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. He said that twice. Think he meant it. What difference at this point will that make? 